months ago, almost four weeks ago, we were talking about apostolic dimension and then we stopped. And this is the second part and some additions to it. So um, this is just recap. Are we good to go? Okay. So this is just recap. Um, we said the, the idea of apostolic is the idea of sending. It's a, it's a working? Yeah. Cool. So it's, um, yeah, it's basically sending. And uh, so uh, it is this idea of a sending church. Um, and so the church becomes a sent one. A sending of the church by the sender, God, with a very specific mandate or a mission. That is the idea of uh, being apostolic. A sending of the church, us, by the sender, God, with a clear mandate. And so let's not complicate it. It involves everybody. A sending of the church, and so the church becomes a sent one, by the sender, the sender is God, with a clear mandate. And we'll talk about that. And then we said sending is governmental. This is just recapping. Sending is governmental. And why is it governmental? Because whenever a people are sent, what are they sent for? They are sent into a world that is hostile to dispossess it of its previous owners because Christ has paid the price and ransomed the entire earth back. He's bought all the nations back with his blood. So sending is governmental because it dispossesses to possess, as in return it to the original owner. And then... It restores culture. What culture? The same culture that was prevalent in Eden. The same culture that God wants to colonize the earth with, which is the culture of heaven. Then third, it reinforces maturity, as in, this is not the, uh, the idea of apostolic is always to bring people into maturity. To, to raise a baby is not the idea of the apostolic. It is to bring into maturity. It's, it's a critical factor. And the third one is it establishes beachheads, as in now that you have been brought into maturity, now that you have a culture that is very similar to that in Eden, and now that you have possessed what God gave you to possess, now establish a beachhead, and from that beachhead sent forth um, people to take on other places that need to be possessed. So we talked about that. And... Um, Besides that, we must remember that the very idea of Matthew 28, 18 is um, based on, uh, I mean, what did Jesus say? Go therefore. So every church is supposed to be apostolic in its going forth because God has given you authority. When we're talking about sending being governmental, with government comes authority. There is a new government, whether you like it or not. It is the government of the kingdom and it is... Um, prosecuted by a king who is king over all kings. And he is saying that I was obedient unto death and therefore have authority over all the earth. Go. So there is this idea of churches understanding that we must be apostolic. We must be a sending church. We must be, a, we must be sent. The sender is God. And we have a clear mandate. These three things must align. Any one of these things is missing, we've got a problem as a church. And every time we are obedient to any mandate that God gives us, authority is a natural outworking. So let's say I'm God, 
and this is the church that I want to send. When I send you out anywhere, let's say I'm sending you out to Brisbane. If I send you out to Brisbane as God, then what happens is when you go to Brisbane, you have authority because I am the sender and I'm sending you with a clear mandate. Go. You will have authority. Anytime you're obedient to anything that God says, you have authority. This is why we can't choose where we go. This is why you can't choose what you do. It's super important, eh? Because we live in such highly individualized Christian societies that we think we can choose what we do for God. You can choose what you do for God, but it ain't the way it works in the blueprint. It is God who decides where we should go. That's critically important because otherwise, you're not, uh, we've talked about this before, but otherwise, you do not have the authority to step into places. So, these three have to align. But if I'm obeying the sent one, and who is the sent one? Here's the strange thing. Who is the sent one? The sent one is Christ and the body. I'm oh, sorry. The, the sender. My bad. The sender is Christ and the body. The sender is Christ and the body. When I choose to obey where Christ is sending me, and when he says go, that is when I discover authority. That is when I discover the extent of authority. So that was one of the things. And the next thing was sending carries a fathering spirit. Sending carries a fathering spirit. This is just a recap. Why does sending carry a fathering spirit? Because who does one send? One sends one's sons and daughters. Why? Because only sons and daughters can represent you accurately. Employees cannot. Hirelings cannot. The only ones who can accurately represent you are the ones that you have raised. Any questions on that one? That is why sending has a fathering spirit in it. You have to raise sons and daughters. You can only send sons and daughters. What kinds of sons and daughters? Sons and daughters of God and sons and daughters in the house. It's not one or the other. It's both. You must first raise sons and daughters that belong to God and reflect the father's nature. And then you raise sons and daughters that belong to the house and reflect the traits of that house or tribe. One first, second after. But sending carries a fathering spirit and produces sons and daughters of God and in the house. And it is critical because you will not, should not send hirelings or employees. You send ones that can represent you accurately. And that is why it is critical that we have sons and daughters of God and then of the house. Otherwise, one should not send because the representation will not be accurate. This is why Jesus did not send an angel. Angels were brilliant messengers who could carry a message accurately, but angels could also rebel. But then he sent his son. So, the apostolic dimension or the sending dimension carries a fathering spirit. And once we understand that, we'll realize that uh, once you go down that route, you inherit a mantle, you inherit a mandate, and you inherit mankind. 
Once you're sons and daughters of God and sons and daughters in a house that he is raising with certain traits, you realize that three things happen. One, you inherit a mantle. Two, you inherit a mandate. Three, you inherit mankind, as in people that are appointed to you. You inherit all three. Only sons and daughters have inheritances of God and then of the house. Any questions? This is all stuff we've already talked about. So the hope is that all of us become fathers, it's a gender-free term, fathers who can see God's purposes, who can see people's destinies and assignments, who can pour themselves out for others, so that these may be developed, who can raise ones who will do the same for others. So this is the expectation of all of us. Because there's nobody who's exempt from this really. So the hope is that Sheldon will become this and then one day Sheldon will see God's purposes first for some. He'll see God's overarching purpose. Then he'll see God's destiny for the person in the purpose. Then he'll pour himself out so that that person can be raised to function like that. And then he'll bring them to a place where they will do it for somebody else. And so this continuous wave is established till the, ends of the, till the end of the earth. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that Jesus did where it's, it's, it's actually the master's DNA where he said, do what I do, do what I do, and do greater things. Do greater things when I'm gone. That's what Jesus did. At present, do what I do. But after I'm gone, do even greater things after I'm gone. That should be my intent. Do what I do. And I do this well, eh? I do this well. There's evidence for it. Do what I do, and when I'm gone, do even greater. And then your turn comes and the same thing happens. So every subsequent generation gets more potent. So things don't get weaker, they get stronger. Any questions? This is the recap. Now we'll go into what we wanted to talk about today. Any questions? Sorry, say that again. Yeah, a mantle is uh, whatever you require to function in what you've been called to. So Elisha had to receive a mantle. Once he receives a mantle, now he's able to do what Elijah... He, he's able to do much more than what Elijah did. Elijah is setting up a pattern that Jesus set up later. Do what I do and do even greater things. Elisha does twice as much as Elijah. So mantle is uh, the... 
the 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 commissioning, the power, uh, the um, field that is given to you to now function freely in what you've been called to. Only with the Holy Spirit, yeah. Because uh, after he says that, he talks about how uh, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm leaving the Spirit of God behind. And he will take off what I have and show it to you. He'll bring you into all truth. So what Jesus starts, we now take further. He was only in one place all the time. The church is everywhere. The church, he could never be in Brisbane and Vancouver. We can Nope, you can change it for uh, the man, man, man was working, so I thought I'd put man. Yeah. But if you put miss, sure, it's more uh, accommodating. Yeah. But I just went for man, man, man. Uh, Manoj, man. I could put Manoj there too. Yeah. Yeah. And the question is? I, I, I find that yeah. And the thing is, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God could never live in anybody. He could live upon people, but he could never live in people because sin hadn't been paid for. Because he's Holy Spirit, he had to find holy places to live in. And because of sin, he could never live in people. He could only live upon people. And he could only live upon prophets, priests, and kings. And so now, with the death of Jesus, everybody becomes prophet, priest, king. And he now resides in a temple that is made holy by the blood of Christ. And that then separates the Old Testament from the New Testament. That's why we have such a distinct advantage over um, all the guys in the Old Testament. So that's the, that's the um, recap. Now let's start with what we want to talk about today. Guys, the overarching theme in every church and in every life. So this is the overarching theme in every church and every life. It applies to all of us. Is M, M, and M, which make the Father known. This is your purpose. So there cannot be any purpose that does not serve this purpose. Make disciples. Multiply churches. If you don't know the purpose of your life, before you ask for purpose in your life, ask if this has been done. Someone went up to um, Denzel Washington. I was, saw this on Facebook yesterday. Someone went to Denzel Washington and shook his hand and said, I feel that I must learn under you, and I need to learn from you. You must teach me. And uh, Denzel Washington says, so are you in school? So the guy says, yes. He says, finish school and we'll talk. As in, get the basics done. We... we we need to know this as our primary purpose. Before you ask for any purpose, any prophetic word, the question is, have you, have, you, have you made this your ultimate, absolute purpose? And if this isn't your ultimate, absolute, living, breathing purpose, then everything else is just pointless. This must be the overarching theme. Everything is subservient to this. Everything serves this.
The overarching theme over every church, over, over every life is this. So you already have purpose. There's nobody in this church without purpose. Everyone has a purpose. Everything else, be it destiny, be it plans, be it prophetic, be it vocation, be it marriage, be it wealth, be it your jobs, be it ministry, all of it is subservient. It's subservient to this. And that is a struggle in highly individualized Christian societies in which we are. This, everyone wants a destiny. I need to know my destiny. I need to have a plan. I need the prophetic. I need uh, to know how to um, take my vocation. What is it? Who do I need to marry? What kind of job? What should I, what ministry should I do? All that is good, but it is all subservient to the overarching theme for every church and every life, which is make the father known. And that you can do without a job, without being married, without money, without ministry. The great thing about the first three things is you need nothing. You just need to breathe. If you're breathing, you can do the first three. It's super important that you understand this. If today you feel sleepy, pinch yourself or ask someone to pinch you. And if no one is there, just let me know. I will do it for you. These things are less important. Eh? You, this is why you don't see Timothy going up to Paul when he's asked to do something. He doesn't say to Paul, you know, I don't want to do this ministry. I just don't sense uh, it's my calling. Or let me pray about it. Or uh, why don't I do it this way? Or this is where I really want to put my tithes and money and energy. Nobody does stuff like that in the New Testament. It's a very mm, new modern thing. This is not my ministry. I don't want to do this. Since when did you think you had that right? I know it sounds terrible, but since when did you think you had that right? You don't. You think I have a right? I don't. Neither Timothy, nor Titus, nor Luke, nor Paul, nobody. I mean, Paul had a way out. Agabus comes, ties his hands and says, if you go to Jerusalem, here's what awaits you. A guy saying, what choice do I have in these matters? I saw a vision that knocked me off my horse and said to me, wherever you go, this is going to happen. So you might as well get used to it. Always remember the thing I keep going back to. We are trying to create a prototype or a model that can be replicated. And to create that, if there are kinks in what you're creating, it will hybridize over generations and only get worse. That's how we got where we got to. Because in the first 100 or 200 years, things were being done correctly. Somewhere, something got in. We're going back to the way of Christ and his apostles by looking at the book of Acts, by looking at the epistles, by looking at the gospels and saying, aha, this is the right way. Let's now walk in it. These are hard things, but what a wonderful God to follow. Eh? 
It's not that God hasn't given me passions and ministry desires and giftedness that is supposed to be so drawing for me. It is not that he hasn't done it. But it doesn't make me now become independent. Having a passion for worship, I must now teach. Having a passion for teaching, I must now go spend time with youth. Having a passion for youth, I might still have to hang out with these two-year-olds who don't understand anything you say. We are not here to serve our passions. We are here to serve a greater cause. And that the greater cause is what I'm trying to establish today so that you go over this again and again and again and never forget this. I love going over this with whoever I can because every time I go over it, I understand it better. Any questions? This sounds very dictatorial. Yeah, you serve a king. I ain't that. You serve a king. You ain't serving some president. He's not the president of the kingdom of God. He's a king. Yes. But he's a benevolent. You know the word kyrios? Lord. Is actually an, a, a title associated with, associated with tyrants. But the reason we call Jesus Kyrios or Lord is because he's a benevolent king who lays down his life for his citizens and now has a right to ask of those citizens what he desires so that others may be brought into the kingdom because he's paid a price for everybody. So one of the things that this sending dimension or the apostolic dimension does is it cultivates, these, are, these words may be a little heavy, but they're actually very simple, cultivates breakthrough movements. So Jacob, why can't you simplify it? Because it's not fun when it's too simple. Because then the teaching gets shorter. <laughs> cultivates breakthrough movements uh, that configure now I get the chance to explain this, and it takes up some time. Uh, configure kingdom advances in Kairos. What a complicated sentence. So one of the things is sending or apostolic dimension does. When you send, what God does is, okay, so you guys are interested in being sent. You're going wherever I tell you to. You're being obedient. Great. Now let me begin to cultivate some breakthrough movements, not moments, movements through you. You've, you've gotten so adept at going, therefore go and you go. You've gotten so adept with going that let me cultivate through you breakthrough movements around the earth where you will begin to shape how the kingdom advances. And you will begin to shape it exactly according to the times and seasons I have for the earth. Paul did that. Abraham did that. John on the island of Patmos did it for the future. Things happen on the Mount of Transfiguration that Peter talks about much later. Martin Luther did that. Azusa did that. There are these movements that happen in perfect time because God finds a people who seem to be adept at, a, at quickly adjusting to whatever he's doing. And so... In 2016... In 2016, 
Um, Chad, and I knew, Chad and I knew something was afoot. Something was afoot. Uh, I, I know how to prophesy what was going to, I knew how to prophesy what was going to happen. Chad knew how to structure it. And we've kept it quiet till about two weeks ago where we began to tell what actually God has in mind. And it's something I want to share with us so that we know where we are heading and so that you have a choice to go this route or not go this route. And there's not, a, there's not some kind of an organization. It's got nothing to do with organization. It's what God is doing presently on earth. Jacob, but how can you stand here and make a boast? Who are you? Nobody. So I knew how to prophesy it, but I didn't know how to structure it. So I, I knew how to tell what was going to happen, and knew, he knew how to structure it. So for years, we've been talking about something called One Global. And in 2019 was when we first started saying, okay, now let's talk about it. So what is One Global? One Global is a church-based, some of you have heard some of this before, a church-based apostolic missions movement shaped by principles shaped by principles in the book of Acts which gives us the greater picture the overall zoom out picture in the letters that Paul writes which gives us the internal working and in the Gospels which gives us the intent of God. And it's important that we understand this today. So I'm going to take time to go over this slowly and I pray that you bear with me because if I can get it in one recording you can hear it again and again and again then breaking it. This is where we are going. And it is important that you hear it so you decide whether you want to go here or not, or you want to opt out. It doesn't exempt you from the church. It doesn't exclude you from the church. It just excludes you from what God is doing. I would choose <laughs> the first, not the second. Uh, the question then is, Jacob, so why should we believe that this is God and why should we believe you? No good reason except my track record. No good reason except that I lead this church and um, you have to look at the last 16 years and decide if this is something that is a God thing or not. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a church base. So everything that happens is based out of the church. It's not some organization. It's not some, uh, um, some denomination. It is not some uh, um, thing that... Jacob likes doing or that Derek likes doing or a, a, a board likes doing. It's not led by people. It's not something that people say, we want this and so we do this. Now, it, it is church-based. It is apostolic as in there's always a sending out dimension, which is why I talked about sending out for the first, uh, about three weeks ago. It is apostolic. It's outward. It is a missions movement. So it is a movement that will always have mission at its core. Always a mission at its core. You cannot remove that from the church. You remove that from the church, it becomes a monstrosity. And it's shaped by principles. What principles? What does the book of Acts say? That gives you a zoom out picture. Ah, so this is how the church is supposed to work. 
It's going back to see what the Holy Spirit did. And then we go to the letters that Paul writes. So read the New Testament like crazy again and again. And follow this pattern. The book of Acts, the letters that Paul wrote in particular, the Gospels. Follow that pattern. And you will find, ah, so this is how it can still happen. Because the water that flows from the throne gets higher and higher and higher. As we go further and further and further. We are not trying to recreate the book of Acts. We are trying to create Acts 29. A new chapter. Where the water gets higher. Places that even Paul and Peter haven't stepped into. Then we look at the letters which gives us, so this is how it works. These are the principles. Then we look at the Gospels. This is what we carry. You can call it any name you want. You can call it no name at all. Don't, don't get hung up with one global. It just, all it means is to be able to establish the church globally. And that it's not Acts 29 or Acts 30 or Acts 32 or Acts 28. It is just the church around the world. Call it anything you want. Call it Prashant. Yeah. Pardon? Emmanuel might be slightly better, yeah. Any questions, guys? So how does this happen? How can this happen? You build teams. Teams of what? Teams of apostolic leaders. Okay, so let's just stick there. You build teams. Teams teams from where? From within the church, because it's church-based. It's from within the church. Teams of what? Of apostolic. What does that mean? People who are ready, flexible to lay down everything to go wherever God tells them to go. Therefore, go. Does that mean that today uh, you can send Emmanuel? No. We'll have to wait to figure out who Emmanuel is, what he's good at. Does he need training? Does he not need training? It is a process. But eventually the intent is a go people. I mean, I love the fact that Matt is going to Dayton. The conversation we had is, hey Matt, for the next four months, be available. And he said, sure. As soon as he said sure, it was like, okay. It is this, it is more this, <laughs> should I, should I not, should I, should I not? Dilna and I had a conversation where I was telling Dilna, Dilna, you need to be flexible and ready. And he said, yeah, I have vacations in uh, June and July. He said, but the problem is I've got uh, friends coming, relatives coming, parents coming. I said, great. We absolutely intend to inconvenience you during that time. So inconvenience is not a fact. I mean, finding a convenient time does not apply here. It has to be inconvenient. It has to be inconvenient. So th- first thing is, thing is teams. Second thing is apostolic. A, a people that are sent out, a people that are willing to go, a people that are obedient. Why? Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, Mark, if the Lord says to the church, send, set apart for me Mark and Nick to send them to Budapest, then Mark and Nick do not really, they have a choice, but they really do not have a choice. And so now to have the flexibility to go. So the idea of being sent out. Leaders. Leaders are basically disciples who are trained. Leaders are disciples who are trained. 
So there's nobody who's exempt again. Leaders are disciples who are trained. Leaders are not disciples that are gifted. Leaders are not disciples that have a passion. Leaders are not disciples that have great desire. Leaders are not disciples that have a prophetic word upon them. Leaders are disciples that have all that and then are trained. I love what God is building, guys. Teams of apostolic leaders. You had a question? I was, yeah, I was, I guess my question is why does it have to be in the, like in Proverbs, you know, I Yeah. No, plans are not evil. By inconvenience, I mean all the conditions don't have to be right. We, we have gotten so used to having times and plans slotted that till they all align, we do not find ourselves free to go. Uh, so I'll give you some of the conditions that have to be right if I need to go. The money has to be right. The flights have to be right. The timings have to be right. The weather has to be right. I mean, it's 40, 39 degrees in the shade in Delhi right now. Uh, who wants to go there? Hell is colder. And so... Um, you, you have these things that have to line up uh, to be right, and that is when it is inconvenient. Yeah. So we don't have to deliberately make things inconvenient for people, but we cannot wait for all the conditions to be right. Uh, Proverbs what? 16. Ecclesiastes 10. Uh, one who watches for all the wind and the conditions to be right will never go right. out. Yeah. So both were Solomon, so it's his fault. So teams of apostolic leaders, teams of apostolic leaders who are on the move, who are on the move, with a clear, unswerving mission. Yeah, guys, let me go back to what uh, Jill is saying. It is not, uh, to make things inconvenient for people is not a God thing. But to go in inconveniences is a God thing. Yeah. I mean, the guy is plowing with 12 yokes of oxen, at least let him finish plowing. Let the guy bury his father before he comes. Let the property be divided. Now, those are the things that Jesus doesn't have time to wait for. I mean, you want to get married? Great, go get married. But after that, join us immediately, Manoj. And who else is getting married? Or might announce it next week. I mean, there's always a chance, right? Okay, so it's on the move, as in uh, sending out is always a move. It is not location one place guys there is no growth there is no growth without unfamiliarity there is no growth without unfamiliarity you begin to stagnate when things get familiar we talked about this when we talked about thresholds there's no growth without unfamiliarity unfamiliarity causes me to now depend on god like i have never depended before and that what that's what makes growth happen And with a clear, unswerving mission, we'll talk about what that unswerving mission is. So what does this team comprise of? What does this team look like? What does an apostolic team look like? If you look at the 
um, book of Acts, we'll find that it looks like there'll be some apostle types. And apostle types are basically those that are architects and pioneers and who have a track record. There are messengers who carry messages to people. Um, in the Phoebe was one of the messengers. Uh, Luke sometimes carried messages. Timothy carried messages. Uh, it was interchangeable. Eh? It was not that this was their only job. Then there are Timothy-like guys who were sent to Ephesus to uh, set things right. There were Titus-like guys who were sent to reestablish order that was lost in Crete. There were Aquila, Priscilla types who were businessmen who would go from city to city starting businesses and establishing home uh, churches in Ephesus, in Rome, in Corinth. They would go, they would start businesses, they would open their homes, they would have people come in, and then they would start a house church, hand it over to Apollos, and then move on to another city. There were Luke types who would journey with Paul to different places. There were Phoebe's. Phoebe was quite a rich woman. Um, who was a benefactor, but was also someone who took messages and carried it to Rome. You read about her in Rome uh, in verse 16. There were ones who worked in Herod's palace. There were people who had regular vocations and jobs. There were people like Aristobulus and people like that who, had, um, who were wealthy and who had businesses. So, this is a team that is willing to move and is made up of different people with different uh, abilities and some of them are just called co-workers. That's all they were called, co-workers. So it's made up of apostle types who are architects and pioneers and then the rest. And it is interchangeable, one becomes the other. Any questions on that? So this is not some special type Yes, at the beginning there'll be the ones that are architects and pioneers that have the ability to go break open places and who have a track record for it. What's the, last name? the last one is Aristobulus. Yeah, I would put Chad and me in here. And again, uh, so Jacob, are you saying you are this? I'm saying that I function in it really well. I like being called Jacob. I really like that name. That's all that I need. It's a great title, Jacob. It's a nice ring to it. Do you want to say it together? No, I'm kidding. So, but but it's, it's what you function in. It's how you function in it that matters. One can have any title and not function in it. Or one can function in it and have a track record of it. Some of these teams, some of these teams will be locally focused, as in they'll be focused on Vancouver. But they'll be willing to move from Surrey to Wally. They'll be willing to move from Vancouver to Burnaby. They'll be living in Vancouver and they'll set up their piano business in Burnaby or New West. Hint, hint. So they are locally focused, but they're globally engaged with all the guys who are going out. Some of these teams will be like that. And then there'll be some teams that are globally focused, as in they're always looking at which country next. But they're locally engaged, as in they'll do everything to strengthen the church in Vancouver. <laughs>
One is not better than the other, one cannot exist without the other. One is not better than the other, one cannot exist without the other. And these are not types or categories that you're stuck in. It is just free flow. Philip was a guy who was happy with his daughters in Caesarea. And then he finds himself in his daughters. Talking to a, um, uh, the financial minister of Queen Candace of Ethiopia. And changes an entire country. So, and the crazy thing is there's nobody here who's exempt from this. No age, no color, no education, no marriage, no single, no whatever. Nothing exempts you from this. Everybody is included in this grand plan that God has. Why do you think Jeremy has to leave? Jeremy has to go to Toronto. Whatever he needed to be trained for, he's trained for. God has sent him. What do these teams do? Very simple. They plant churches. They establish churches. They multiply churches. They make the Father known. Go back to the three M's. Please remember this, guys. You lose the three M's, you're all about yourself. Oh, I was called to lead worship. In leading worship, make the Father known. In leading worship, make disciples. In leading worship, multiply churches. Otherwise, all you are is a musician who happens to be singing in church. Interested in young people? Great. Your heart must go for them. But I'm happy for your heart. But please go back to the main thing. Make disciples. Multiply churches. Make the Father known. You don't need any skills for these three things if you're a Christian. I wish I knew this 15 years ago. We'd have been so far ahead of where we are. Guys, this is why now people that taught us are coming here to learn. This is what these teams do. They plant churches, they establish churches, they multiply churches across the earth. So how many such teams do we need? How about a thousand by 2050? At least a thousand by 2050. At least a thousand such teams. So live, huh? Live long. 2050 is how many years away? Oh my Lord, I'll be old. Yeah. Yeah, by 2050, a thousand such teams. How old, Prashant? You won't be on my team for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, so, um, how about a thousand teams? You know, one of the images, do you know how many satellites are uh, circulating around the Earth right now? 8,200 satellites. Fly any higher and you'll bump into them. That's an, just look at that. That's, that's what it looks like. 8,261 satellites. Last year alone, 1,800 satellites were sent up. This is what I mean. Thousands of apostolic teams right across the earth. What are they doing? They're doing a very simple thing. 
Establishing simple churches. This is why I said a breakthrough movement in the timing of God, no longer through massive mammoth denominational institutional structures, but through simple people continuously around the earth. Not a nation spared. Nobody going in as a pastor or a bishop or a this or a that. You think this is not possible in 50 years? Things, I'm telling you, 1,000 teams is just such a conservative estimate. Because the Holy Spirit is much smarter, much bigger, much more powerful. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. There's another image that I had of just the same thing. You don't even know what these satellites are doing. Huh? Half the time they're listening to your conversation. But hundreds of them, 8,200 of them going around the earth in different orbits continuously. You think people will escape this? It's impossible. What are they tr trying to escape? The love of God. What, are they not be, what will they not be able to escape? The love of God. Who's going to do this? Teams like this made up of ordinary people like us. This is where this church is going, guys. This does not exclude you from church if you don't want this. But it does exempt you from a beautiful thing that God is doing on the earth. And as I talk, you will see that this is not an Acts 29 thing. That's why I'm, we're calling it One Global. Spoke about it two weeks ago for the first time in Dubai. And thought, okay, Acts 29 must hear this now. It's been in the making for years. What's a mission? We said unswerving mission. What's the unswerving mission? Unswerving mission. Why did I put unswerving? Because we cannot forget this. If we forget this, we'll have trouble. Unswerving mission to progress the good news. To progress the good news. What do you mean progress? As in let it advance, to advance the good news. To progress the good news. It must advance. To progress the good news. Good news of what? That Jesus has made peace between God and man and God is no longer angry. He has paid the price and he wants you back. How? How do, what is the unswerving mission? How do we go about it? Again, goes back to the same thing again and again and again. Plant churches. We'll talk about what kind of churches. Establish them in the teaching. Establish them in the teaching. Why? Because that's the only way you bring people into maturity. Establish them in teaching. Then do what? Raise elders and entrust these churches to elders. And then do what? Then multiply and do it again somewhere else. This is the unswerving mission. It is the mission of Jesus. There's no tampering with this. You don't have the right to tamper with it because you haven't spilled blood for it. Plant churches. Who? Pastors? No. Us. How? Through the whole idea of the apostolic team thing that I was talking about. Plant churches, establish people that you rally together in teachings. Why? Because it's the only way to bring people into maturity. You mature them by teaching them the things that Jesus taught. What do you then do? You don't hold on to it. You entrust it to elders. How old are elders? Sometimes 25. What is older about them? Nothing. You, 
entrust it to elders. Why? So that you can move on. Why do you think Manoj's parents want to get him married? So they can move on. Why do you think Derek's parents want to get both the boys married and one is still stuck? So that they can move on. I hope you have some announcement next week. No, but hey, guys, guys, one week may be too short for him to get this together. I'll give you some more time. Well, I don't want to say anything. Mum's the word. <laughs> oh my God, now it's on. <laughs> Sorry. So, and trust to elders so that you can move on. And move on to do what? Multiply more. Multiply more. Who's keeping count? Nobody is, really. We shouldn't keep count. Multiply churches. So what kind of churches? What kind of churches? Simple churches. What do you mean simple churches? <laughs> so here are some of the qualities of simple churches. It's a net. It's a net of simple churches. It's a net. It's not a network. It's a net. A net is... It's not like some organized network. It's a net. Two, a simple church is made up of two or three families. Two or three families. That's what you begin with. Can you imagine how beautiful this will be? Two or three families. Meeting where? Anywhere. Houses would be great. What's the composition? They're heterogeneous. They're neither Indian, nor Chinese, nor Caucasian. They're mixed. Rich, poor, old, young, grandmothers, granddaughters. That's the net. Crisscrossing the earth, everywhere you'll find them. Why? Because we are everywhere. Pastors are few. Church planters are few. Mission organizations are few. Money is little. Constantly begging for money to do missions. But when you do it, anywhere in your house, house church leaders need to think along these lines. You will have great pride in what you're trying to do. It's not an Acts 29 thing anymore. So, it's two or three families. It's anywhere. It's a mix of people. It can meet anywhere. At its core, DNA is that a mission. It multiplies. People that are there always leave. And it expands globally. So what number are we looking at? By 2050, a very conservative number. How about 100,000? Simple churches. That's very little, eh? you're only talking about half a million people. Like there's eight billion people around. Half a billion is so easy for the Holy Spirit to do. He used to do 3,000 and 5,000 a day. And when he used to do it, this was the construct. This was the framework in which it was established. If this building goes away in July, praise the Lord. 
We may have to completely root, retool and we'll have a whole lot of money to spend. Am I desiring it? No, I like the building, but am I holding on to it? Absolutely not. Not calling the landlord to renegotiate, not calling the landlord to see if we get this after July. Let the lines fall in pleasant places. So sit on these pews, enjoy them for another three months because we don't know how much longer we'll have this. This is what simple churches look like. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I could see it written on your brow for the last 20 minutes. I thought, when's he going to ask? Yeah. Yeah, so, the, uh, so um, when you get to a place where you know now enough to raise another group of people, you need to leave and replicate what you have been taught. And when someone does it in Malaysia and someone does it in Indonesia and someone does it in South Africa, now it begins to spread all around the globe. Oh, it's a whole interesting thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do it here yeah. unless you're called to some other place. But others are doing it in other parts of the world, so it keeps expanding globally. And that is part of what I need to do. I need to go to Brisbane, I need to go to Sydney, I need to go to these Budapest, so that when Ukraine opens, we can set something else up there. That is something that I specifically know I have to do. And then there are others now from the church who are joining me in doing it. So that, like the net, there'll be multiple places where this is established and it begins to spread. Guys, I don't want to take away anything from the Holy Spirit. He's the one who actually does it. No man can convert any other, but he does it through people. So we've got to get involved with him. So when we say the Holy Spirit does it, it's good, but the Holy Spirit only, not only, the Holy Spirit primarily does it through the church. Primarily. He can do it without any help, but he chooses to do it through the church. So we are involved. I mean, he could do Wally all by himself, but unless Mohini takes someone home, that person will have to be covered by rain, wind, and sleet with the Holy Spirit. Ideally, if we had uh, Anne and Kamal and uh, uh, Phoebe, Sheldon, and Jane, and a Jill and a Prashant, that'd be fine. It has to be a mix. When we say two or three families, what we mean is let there be families, let there be young people, old people. Let it be a mix. Let it not be just single people. There's that song, right? No, I won't go there. No, no. Yeah. Any questions? Uh, you, you can pursue, uh, 
if we stopped looking at demographics and started looking at, at people, it would be easier. There might be times when God says, go to the Gentiles, go to the Jews. But what if it is a city you are in or a nation you're going to? So I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying try to mix it up. Yeah, let no one be excluded. Yeah. But there'll be times when you, God will specifically say, I want you to go to the Jews only. No, uh, seasons change, right? So there'll be a time when it'll be, let's help the people who are helpless. And then there'll be a time, let's help everybody who is doing really well, but are completely bankrupt inside. So let, let things shift. God leaves no Pharisee out, no tax collector out. So times change. So right now you might be doing this, while tomorrow maybe Aaron will start working with accountants in Wally. Because accountants need him as much as others. Yeah. Right? Accountants need God, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, just checking. <laughs> just checking. So even though it's simple, it's still pretty complex, eh? Why is it complex? Because there is no organization. There is no up-level marketing. There is no up-level tithing. Everything is relational. It's not centralized. Nobody owns it. It's not mine. Nothing is exclusive. So just as we are talking, I, get, I got a text message from the person who takes care of the church in Australia saying the times that they meet in Sydney. And um, the fact is, we don't own it. We don't command them what to do. We resource them. And yet they aren't separate. They are connected. And so this is why it gets very complex. If it was organized and structural and everything has its place, uh, you can send dictates saying, do this, do that. This is not like that. Everything is relational. Things get really complicated when things are relational. That's why policy and structure really help be unrelational. And yet, despite all this, there are common resources that we share. There are common resources that we share in terms of money, in terms of material. There's the emptying of our pockets and our lives. Hey, Sheldon and Jane, Sheldon decided at some point that Jacob, I feel that every time you go to New York, I will be coming with you. I'm not paying him for it, huh? And he's, he doesn't own Air Canada yet. So he's paying for it, and he's got a wife and kids. There is an emptying that comes with missions. There is an emptying that comes with missions. There is an emptying that comes with missions. This is why it's complex, because people are going to different places. Uh, Heidi is going to Budapest. We're not paying her for it. But because she's a treasurer, you never know what's happening. <laughs> but we are not paying for it. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> Sorry, Heidi. Just had to take that shot. Yeah. There's an emptying that happens. And there's strategic expansion. It's not uh, nilly willy, willy nilly, sorry. Uh, strategic expansion. It's not, ah, oh, let's go to Budapest. I believe it's a good place for a holiday. No, there, there, it is strategic and it is orderly. When order is broken, issues have to be dealt with. See, it is relational, it is complex. You have to bring it up and down. So, and then there'll be times when there are issues. Issues will have to be dealt with. There's no policy, it's relational. Doctrine will have to be watched and guarded. If doctrine goes wonky, we'll have to do something about it. There'll be warfare with powers. Because if this is a new move of God, as I absolutely know it is, then you think it'll be unopposed? Sometimes they'll, we'll have to meet like the Jerusalem Council met to discuss what needs to be done given the issues that are at stake. Other times there'll be discipline that will be required where someone may have committed adultery and needs to be now disciplined. Other times there'll be letters that have to be written like Paul used to write letters because of issues. Other times people would have to go and visit. Why? Because the church is either doing really well or not doing really well. This is why it becomes complex. Even though we're establishing simple churches, my, my prayer is that one day everybody sitting in this room will be able to establish a simple church of two to three families. Because what do you need? We talked about this long ago. What do you need? You need only four things, right? Zeal for God, purity of life, ability to convey what you are taught accurately, and good homes so that your life will not be disreputable. That's all you need. That's all that Paul asks. Who doesn't qualify? Who, who, can anyone fail to qualify? All these are absolutely attainable ways. So what's so... Uh, different about this thing is in Acts 13 you find Antioch was a church. Antioch was a church that sent people out. We are not talking about Antioch. We are talking about not one church sending people out. We are talking about from everywhere to everywhere. As in every church that is established now sends out people. From everywhere to everywhere. It's not Acts 29 sending people out. It is every such simple church sending people out. This is how we get 100,000, 200,000, 300,000. Where Heidi's house church now sends people out because there's a, it is within the overarching theme. It is still connected to the things we are doing, but they sent. Then uh, Derek's uh, Wally sends. Then New York sends. Then um, Sheldon's group sends. It's still a strategic, but everybody sends. It's no longer centralized. It's not Antioch sending out a Paul and a Barnabas. It is from everywhere to everywhere. It's absolutely doable. Antioch was, this is how Antioch started, but uh, some of the guys who did differently was Ephesus. Just put up that picture. Ephesus was different, eh? 
from Ephesus, there were all these churches that we've read about. Uh, uh, both Paul and John paid so much attention to these churches. John wrote most of his letters to these churches. Paul established these churches and kept doing tours of these churches. All of them happened from Ephesus. But the beautiful thing is, so an Acts 29 or a New Life Assemblies of God in Chennai can establish all these, but Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Coloss, all of them start sending their own people. They don't come back to Acts 29 and say, you said, no, 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 no. Now each church begins to send from everywhere to everywhere. It begins to spread. This is how spontaneous expansion happens. This is no longer something that is centralized saying only from Acts 29. No. There's still a strategy, but it begins to spread. 100,000 is so easy. 2050 is so far away. Now you see why two families in Atlanta are worth visiting. Now you see why two families in Saudi Arabia are worth visiting, even if it's risky. Now you see why four families in New York are worth visiting again and again and again at cost without taking a dime from Acts 29. Now you see why it is important to go and connect with two people in Budapest because Ukraine is going to open and then that country will begin to see what needs to be seen. It is so worth it. Now you understand why one and a half families in Brisbane is worth visiting. Because God only knows how many will go out from Brisbane to Papua New Guinea and a few places around there? So be it three in London, seven in Australia, four in New York, or two in Atlanta. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. And Acts 29 has been established enough now to run without a problem. Guys, please understand, I really don't think much of the Sunday service. This is not our main event. This is the main event. If we reduce this to two hours on a Sunday morning, that is terrible. We meet at, like this to talk about these things. That's all. And yeah, it's good to hear him play the sax, and it's good to hear Miguel drum, and um, Sheldon decide at some point at the third song that he's going to join in, and stuff like that. Yeah. I told Jane when she was in Bahrain, hey Jane, I just wanted you to know that um, your days of leading worship are over. Uh, so she's not going to lead worship anymore. She's got other things to do. We need to keep changing up. So Tuni, you lead now. So is it possible that the quality of worship may drop a little? Might. So what? Just because, his, uh, just because it isn't as, uh, some songs are not as good as the last person, doesn't mean squat, because tomorrow he'll probably outdo Jane, outdo Jason, outdo me. And then, just when he's reached his peak, Tuni goes and Anile takes over. Anle just decided to go join the old church. <laughs> yeah, so it's this continuous wave of replacements because there are other things to do. 
I mean, I know Derek teaches well, but really, I'm slightly better. But it's okay. Oh, there are a lot of oars going on today. Oh, Jacob, you're so proud. Remember, pride comes before a fall. So look at, look at, I'm just calling out some simple names. Eh? Look at how we are already processing things. There are, there, there are churches in Vancouver, Vernon, New York, Los Angeles, Nashville, Dayton, Atlanta, Bristol, London, Bahrain, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Chennai, Pune, Vizag, Mumbai, Manipal, Varanasi. Varanasi, that couple has planted 800 churches. How does one couple plant 800 churches? Very simple. They go to villages, they start praying for weeks on end. After they finish praying, someone will come with a snake bite and they'll say, can your God heal the snake bite? And they pray and the snake bite gets healed and the family comes to the Lord and gets baptized. And now you have a village in which there is one family that has begun to open their home for a church. Over the last 12, 13 years, they've established 800 churches. I'm, I'm, when I meet them, no, like, they, they ask me to pray for them and prophesy on them. I'm thinking to myself, man, I should be sitting at your feet and learning how to do this instead of you telling me to prophesy on you. I met them a month ago. Varanasi, um, Shillong, Mongolia, Malaysia, Indonesia, Sydney, Brisbane, soon Equalit in Arctic, Budapest, Dublin, Paris, the U.S. Eastern Seaboard, 13 cities, Goa, Mangalore, Surat, Hyderabad, other places. This is just reeling off a few names. You have to go to Brisbane? Yeah, yeah, you should go. Yeah. This is great in the middle of the service. We have to go to Brisbane. Off you go. Oh, Brisbane by Richmond. <laughs> Father, we bless them as they go. We pray your protection upon Kamal and Anne. I pray such amazing health for Kamal. Yeah. Such amazing health. Not a step faltering. No, no complications. Enjoying the flight and Anne and everything else. We pray for Anne, Father. We pray that you reward her faith. We pray that they meet the guys in Brisbane. And if you permit, Father, that I would meet them too. So we bless them and we send them out now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bye, guys. So, guys, this is what you're a part of. Huh? This is what you're a part of. A greater cause than a Sunday service, a greater cause than Acts 29, a greater cause than your ministry. This is greater than Acts 29. Acts 29 should take a backseat to this. This is how house church leaders must think. This is why your lives must blaze once your life's blaze, God is able to use it better. This is why you must capture the vision. This is why you must be loyal to this vision. This is why you need to be flexible. This is why you need to wrap your work, your family, your money, your possessions around this one thing that Christ and the church are doing. This is why we need to do this. Let me conclude, and I really mean conclude. Guys, this is being fiercely resisted by powers, eh? But because of Christ and his joy, you don't know the spiritual and material cost that Chad and I have paid. Because of Christ and because of the joy he brings. But this has fiercely been resisted over the last couple of years. And when you step up, there will be fierce resistance. Till you step up, you won't know. Physically, materially. 
It's easy to sit in my armchair and think that if I say the name of Jesus Christ, everything will be still. Everything is still when you say the name of Jesus Christ after they oppose you, but you will not know their opposition till you step in. Armchair uh, rebuking is super easy, man. It's like telling the Canucks how to play, sitting in my armchair watching TV. <laughs> Vivek, you're also in the same boat as uh, uh, Aaron and Evan. Manchester United feel so bad for them. <laughs> this is already being fiercely resisted by powers, but cause of Christ and his joy, you will pay a spiritual and material cost. I have, I know Chad has. And if you don't understand this, guys, here's the other thing. Huh? If you don't understand this and embrace it deeply enough, you will not be able to participate in this. If you don't understand this and embrace it deeply enough, if you don't understand it beyond skin deep, and if you don't embrace it, not only will you not participate in it, you will resist it. To go over it again and again, to understand that this is what God is doing, not with us, with the church global. That this was what Acts, the book of Acts was made up of. That this is what I rally around. This is not an Acts 29 thing. This is not a Jacob or Chad thing. Give it whatever name you want. Call it Prashant or Emmanuel. But it is this commitment that, Father, this is what I will now embrace. Because if you do not embrace it, let me assure you, you will resist it. You will resist it not by necessarily speaking up. In some places, people will begin to speak up saying, we don't want this. You will resist it sitting there. You will resist it with your attitude. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Embrace it. Yeah, there is a spiritual cost. Like and a material cost. I, I, I mean... Spiritual costs can sometimes be attacks that you can't even figure out why your ear is swelling up like a cauliflower or your foot has suddenly gone lame or your body is breaking out into rashes or there's disruption in your finances, in your family or uh, you find bullets in your car or you find uh, demonic beings in your uh, room when you are living a pure, wholesome life. Or attacks upon your family. And then, because of Christ and because of the joy he brings in serving him, you take authority over it. And it ends. Every Old Testament and New Testament story gives us evidence that Things are resisted, but things are overcome. If you don't understand it beyond skin deep and embrace it, you will resist it. Here's a, the last two sentences, last three uh, sentences, guys. When he heaven releases something new, when heaven releases something, I think I'll write this down. When heaven releases something new, Thanks for waiting. I know I needed to wrap this up, so thanks for waiting. Um, when heaven releases something new, if you don't grasp, 
if you don't grasp it and embrace it or embrace it if you don't grasp it and fight it in the heaven fight for it in the heavenlies as in in prayer in the heavenlies it will translate into fault finding and blame game here on earth you know it would be easy for me to find fault with manoj over the next one month it would be easy that he doesn't turn up on a sunday it would be easy that he forgets things but if i don't grasp the fact that he has a wedding in a month and there are there's a greater cause there's a greater thing that is happening with him that may have him forget little things i will start finding fault with him i'll blame him it's a very crass example to this once we see the greater cause we will be less offended once we see the greater cause you offending me i'll have to it it, it may it may strike but i'll have to you're far more valuable than for me to be offended by the little thing you do i have to keep hoping that it is okay there's far too much in this person i got to get over this offense because there's a far greater cause far greater cause so if we don't grasp when god when heaven releases something new if you don't grasp it and fight for it in the heavenlies it will translate into fault finding and the blame game here on earth because people will let you down but there's a far greater cause man when something is happening in jeevan's life and i call him and he doesn't pick up the phone or i ask for uh, something and he doesn't do it i know there's something happening in his life i got to give it a rest because there's a bigger thing than than responding to jacob's um, call it's literally like that there's a much greater cause here guys and so avoid fiefdoms cliques i'm the apollos type i'm the derek type i'm the jacob type avoid individualized offenses these are little foxes that will destroy the greater cause this is what you're signing up for guys any questions please please don't look at time and say I'll skip the questions if you have questions ask because you're doing this for the benefit of all those who will be listening to this. So Jacob, I'm trying to understand. Yeah. You're saying we're called to be apostles, right? No. No. I'm saying that every church is supposed to be apostolic. Yeah, apostolic. Apostolic is completely different from apostles. Apostolic is this idea that every church it goes back to this. The apostolic dimension is a sending of the church the church becomes a sent one by the sender god with a clear mandate every church is supposed to be like this we are just going back and saying this is the only thing we will be we cannot afford to be anything else yeah so all of us are not apostles
Yeah, it doesn't. Because some are called to be prophets, some teachers, some evangelists. Those are maybe guys who are, for the lack of a better word, full-time ministers of the gospel. But most of us aren't, eh? Most of us aren't. There's only one guy who's getting paid here for what they do, what he does. And he does half of what the other house church leaders does and gets paid big bucks. So most of us won't get paid or won't get any of that stuff. Bigger mansions in heaven maybe, but not here on earth. So the point, <laughs> the, the, the point being, um, we, we, when we are talking about apostolic, not about apostles. And everyone gets the privilege to be apostolic. Because that's the only thing Jesus came to do. He was sent by the Father. So in his case, he was sent. So he became the sent one. Which is what the word apostolos means. He became the sent one. Who was the sender? God the Father. What did he have? He had a very clear mandate. Now, he is doing the same. He said to me, as the Father has sent me, I send you. And now, it becomes us, the entire church, going out the same way. And in the process, you may have an assignment. He may have an assignment. We may have an assignment. You may make up a team. You may make up another team. You may go to Budapest. They may go to Hungary. Oh, same place. Sorry. You may go to Budapest. You may go to Bulgaria. Different teams going different places. Meanwhile, some will make sure that things are established locally. That monies are coming in so that the monies can be taken and sent to Bulgaria and sent to Budapest. So that a granary is continuously being built. Every house church leader begins to think like this. Any house church leader that really gets this will start cultivating people that can be sent from anywhere to everywhere. Suddenly, May is looking at her group and saying, oh my God, I was complaining about too many people in my group. This is great. I got people to send and I'll still have more than what Sheldon has. Any other questions? Does that explain it? Any other questions, guys? No. No, it can keep interchanging. Because it's a team, right? So you, you know, you're not trying to create like a Manchester United or a Manchester City. It's, it's a team where players get traded. Yeah, so th th that's a beautiful thing about this. Today, Heidi might be going to Budapest and you guys might be going to... So you take a person who knows that part of Europe or who speaks German because Budapestians speak... Budapestians doesn't sound right. <laughs> Hungarians speak German. No, they don't. They speak Hungarian. But the point is... This, it begins to trade all over. It is seamless, guys. The one word I forgot to use is seamless movement across the board. Seamless. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're white, brown, whatever. You go to any place and every place where God is asking us to be sent. And this is why it is good to lay down our individualized choices. I will only go here. This is my ministry. Perish it, man. It ain't your call. So Jacob, is it yours? No, it is God's. But as the one who leads this church, yep, I might have to convey it to you. And don't feel bad if you can't go out because someone has to 
take care of things locally, someone has to take care of things globally, but nothing is categorical, uh, I mean categorized, everything is fluent. Any other question? Or any question to question the question? Go ahead, Nick. Matt, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no. If everything goes on to plan, there'll be new people coming in. Because the idea is we start here in Jerusalem and it continuously expands, right? What's Emmanuel doing here? What's Star doing here? Someone had to. Uh, it's not like they're new believers or anything, but people will keep coming in. Emmanuel loves this so much, he's not going back. He's coming back again for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. If Star doesn't go to Nigeria, uh, she'll be back here. Yeah, really, no, I'm, I'm just trapping Emmanuel. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so there's a continuous inflow, just as much as there is an outflow. Give me the names of three of your friends who are not believers. Just random. Uh, Nolan, Sadar, and Michelle. Okay. There's no way any of us are going to get to them unless you get to them. And so you now begin to bring them in, either into the place that you already go to or you go and visit them. And now you've got two or three families of Nolan, that person, and that person who now begin to learn about your God. Or you bring them to the house church you attend, which is, I think, Evans, right? And so that's taken care of. And then um, Lorian does it with people at Lufthansa. Marcus does it with people at the place he works. Sean does it, and it begins to spread. So the end game is ordinary people being ordinary with an extraordinary God and drawing other ordinary people into his arms. And when this begins to happen all over the world, it gets crazy. Which part are you missing? I can see the question on your brow again. I think the last part of this question was, does it end up with 60 people? Does it end up with? 60 people. Exactly. Meaning? Like, are you starting with two or three families and trying to grow? No, two or three families. I think the most anybody can do is about 10 or 12 families. You can't do more than that. Oh, the end goal is not to become a pastor of the other church. The end goal is to raise someone else who can replicate it. And you move on and do something else. So overall, it's going to be like a whole bunch of, like, like you said, it's a net on a network. So these little churches meet on every, meet each other. There's nothing hub, there's nothing or whatever. It's just them being Christians, doing this thing. Um, uh, n- there's more uh, framework to that. Yeah. But we can begin with this idea of Simple churches, two or three families that get together anywhere with the core DNA of mission, relational. Those, those points I mentioned. Begin there. L- let's begin. Guys, the easiest way to do this is this. Start there. One of the ways we complicate things is by heading eight steps down uh, when all we need to do is take the first step. Can I get two or three families together? 
and already begin to deposit in them the things I've already learned. Can I ask you a question? And this is such a dumb question. Is there anybody here who cannot teach what you have already learned to someone else? There's nobody sitting here right now who can't do that. Everybody in this room is capable. Nobody here is not capable. The hard thing is to get two or three families. You don't know how hard it is to get two or three families. It is so hard. So difficult. To get two or three families to commit to you and commit not to some kind of meeting. Commit to learning. It is so difficult. So difficult. That's all. So Nick, don't even go down, skip point one. Just focus on point two and we are fine. When we finish point two, then we can go down the list. The way to complicate everything is to think the whole thing through. I find it so difficult to get two or three families together on a consistent basis, not for a meeting, but to learn and to grow. I find it so difficult. Prashant finds it relatively easy. I don't know how. I find it very difficult. Any other questions? Okay. Let's have Matt come and conclude. <laughs> Just close in prayer, Matt. Highly inconvenient, on the spot. But grab a mic so it can be recorded. I have no idea. However you want to conclude what you've heard, feel free. Just grab a mic though. Or you can stand there. <laughs> Sheldon, just turn it on. So, Jacob, <laughs> Jacob is saying, don't just sit there, <laughs> that's my summary of <laughs> what he's saying. Um, and that, <laughs> I'm going to get my version of what he's saying. Yep. Church is about going out and bringing people to God. The Sunday service is not about everyone sitting here every morning, <laughs> every week, doing the same things over and over again. It's about getting up and going and doing. And, and so church isn't going away, but church is where nothing happens. That's what should go away. I think that's what Jacob was trying to say. <laughs> is Thank that the you, gist Matt. of it? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Matt. Bless you. Alrighty guys, so feel free to get up whenever you want to. Thank you. <laughs>